the hamster wheel to me is also you're doing things to satisfy this insatiable hunger because you're doing it for what mom thinks and what society says. And you're, you're going through the motions to like sweat and pant and achieve these goals that you probably don't even want half of them, but it's what society says you should be doing. It's what's going to impress the people next door or online or wherever. So it's, it's asking yourself, why is this important to me? Why do I have this goal? And the things that aren't important, the things that are satisfying some external thing, but aren't satisfying you, that's getting off the hamster wheel. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, a top-ranked all-time career podcast in Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this show, we expound on Zig Ziggler's be, do, and have philosophy, meaning you have to be the right kind of person, then do the right things before you can expect to have what really matters in life. And we want you to have what matters. Also, check out my podcast, What Drives You, where we talk with people who have reached impressive achievements to ask what drove them, good and bad. And we dig into the very motives that drive us all with the goal of clarifying just what is driving you. Then in my True Life podcast, we want to get you fully functioning physically so your body doesn't hold you back. You can find all three of my shows in Apple Podcasts. Just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. And if you're new to The Ziggler Show, I invite you to visit ziggler.com. Connect with Tom Ziggler and the Ziggler family about upcoming events and how they can come alongside you and help you inspire your true performance. I'm back with Kate Ekman, my guest in Ziggler Show episode 911, where there we discussed working out your spirit, your mindset, your mental health to be fit and resilient, just as you work out your body to be fit. Well, this is my habits episode, and what I did here was have Kate share how her habits changed and evolved since her big wake-up call. And that wake-up call, if you didn't hear us in episode 911, was her having two very close friends, actually past romantic interest, who committed suicide within a handful of months of each other, and it brought Kate's life to a screeching halt and ultimately redirected her into her vocational devotion today, which is why I've got her on the show. Well, she previously had habits in her life that helped her achieve success as an elite swimmer, a model, a TV anchor, a broadcast journalist. Well, so how did Kate's habits change from those areas of external success to today where while she still has success as a sought after executive coach and speaker and author, she's having success internally with inner peace and fulfillment. So what changed? That's our episode today. You can find Kate at Kate Ekman, E-C-K-M-A-N dot TV. So Kate, as I'm doing with these shows, I'm going to do a a before and after or or an evolution, however you want to look at it. And your story is a great one to use as a muse here. I mean, so here you are, high achiever, competitive swimmer, a model, TV news anchor, broadcast journalist. And I assume you got there because you did have some good, you know, fairly healthy, intentional habits to some degree. However, you also ended up being, as you wrote in the book, that girl crying your eyes out at the pharmacy counter, getting your anti-anxiety meds after uh, a big ordeal in your life. And we talked about that in our previous show together, which was episode 911 of the Ziggler show. Uh, I assume some things have evolved uh, from that point on. So I want to walk through these spokes here on the uh, Ziggler Wheel of Life and ask you what 
what you were doing and what changed. And maybe some didn't. I don't know. This, this is the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, right? <laughs> I love it. All right. So uh, we'll start off on the, you know, the health and wellness, the physical nutrition side. What were you doing prior to that? Did it change since then? Yeah, so I I think I've become more conscious and intentional and deliberate with some of the things that I'm eating. And for me, I do have a sensitive system. And so whether it's caffeine or alcohol, I my drug of choice is, is bread, pizza, pasta. I'm a wannabe Italian. And so I think though, for instance, I since then I've given up, I don't eat any meat. And mine is um, from a love of animals perspective and just seeing certain videos was able to give up a lot of food. So I was joking with someone the other day and said, man, I need to see the really traumatizing video on bread or cheese, <laughs> you know, things like <laughs> yeah, that yeah. To, to give those sorts of things up. But I think for me, uh, and we hear this time and time again, but moderation, but when I, I think back to my, my swimming career and my competition weight, I was so strict growing up and part of it because I had doctors as parents, but I was, you know, competing year round since I was six years old. And so I, I feel like I got more lax on some of those eating habits in the name of, I need the brain energy and the brain food. And so, you know, you eat the chocolate and stuff just to keep going, but I would feel super, super sluggish. So without giving everything up, because then you feel boring and um, you yeah. still want to have some pleasure and enjoyment for me, at least when I'm eating. But um I think just before I eat something, ask, you know, what, what, what intention do you have for eating this? If you're just eating processed foods, it's more of mindless, I'm stressed. And so before I eat the junk food, I, I first say you need to sit down, maybe do some sit and stare time, do some 10 minutes of meditation. And I ask myself, are you hungry for this junk food or are you hungry for something else? And nine times out of 10, I'm hungry for something else. Love, affection, the physical touch, um, caring for myself. So a lot of times like you need to just take a time out rather than eating some, some junk. Um, and also when I did the research and found how much our nutrition or lack thereof affects our mental health, yeah. you know, if it's just about looking hot in a bikini, that feels very uh, a product of a misogynistic society and culture that I don't subscribe to. And I, I'm like, eh, whatever. But if it's, I want to feel less depression or anxiety and, and live a, a long, healthy life and have more energy to write or to spend time with my friends or whatever, it's, it's much easier for me to make those decisions. And when you, you do the research and find what some of the stuff does to your body, you make better choices. I could go on and on and on about this topic. And I hope I'm making sense even by what I'm saying and I'm answering the question. Well, yeah. What I'm hearing is you looking at it. Well, one, I feel, I hear, I feel like I hear you saying, yeah, you have some intentionality, but you also give yourself some grace or I'm going to say flex. My wife likes to say we're flexitarians. Now we're not militant. We're not religious, but I like what you're saying is, but the question, why am I going to go have in this case? Yeah. Some junk food. Am I, I mean, for myself, I look at it. Am I feeding a joy, man? I, I just celebratory. I want to feel that. Or am I medicating something? And, and so I hear you saying I'm, you're sitting in there and then making a decision that you're in agreement with. 
Fair? Yeah, yeah. Because even with a colleague the other night, we were celebrating and he ordered the chocolate cake. And yes, I had some and it, and it was fine. Is that going to make me feel good? Ultimately, probably not. But it was a celebratory experience. Now, going back the next night and ordering the chocolate cake again, then is it loneliness? Is it when I'm sitting by myself, loneliness or boredom, um, trying to fill something that isn't about food or nutrition? And so I invite all of us to just be more conscious of that because listen, some days you're not going to have the motivation to eat healthy for aesthetic reasons. It's just like, well, screw it. So for me, it, it always has to be something deeper than the physical. And for me, it's, you know, having the energy to do the tasks that I want to do. And I, again, the long game, let's all look at, uh, at the yeah. long game. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I do want to pick at your, uh, uh, not eating meat and, you know, you need some traumatizing video on pasta and cheese. So my family is, we've always been vegetarian for the most part. We do some fish, but then about half my family's vegan now. Um, and so the question comes up a lot, but then one of the kids, I think, sent me this meme, just poking fun at all of us and saying, you know what, here we are. And we're trying, if we're going to eat meat, we're going to eat, you know, the, uh, the, the happy cows, the happy chickens or whatever. So they sent me this little meme that says, why are we doing that? They've got a happy life. Shouldn't we just eat the ones that are suffering, put them out of their misery? So that's the joke now is, is if we're going to eat meat, you know, we should eat the poor decrepit creatures. So we, we ultimately just don't eat any meat anyways, but I appreciate that. I'll, I'll find something. We need one on traumatized uh, pasta and cheese, so we would leave them alone. I, I, I appreciate that. Hey, what about what about exercise? Um, what do you what are you at least doing today? Everybody likes to hear that. There's so many fads out there, so many different things. What's your go to? I like to keep it super simple. My go-to is a walk in nature. Uh, ideal day, I'm doing five six miles. You know getting well over my 10,000 steps a day that absolutely saved me during COVID. And again, it wasn't just about the physical health. Some days it was, you know what? <laughs> I talked to myself like I was a, my own child or I'm like, you know what? You're going to walk until you're less grumpy. You're going to walk until you're not angry about that upsetting email. Yeah. You're going to walk until your head is clear and you can sit down and write 1,000 words or 10,000 words or whatever my, my goal was that day. And so walks in nature, they're meditative. I, I invite everyone to ask themselves, my favorite thing to do on a, a nature meditation walk is say, if you could, you know, be, do, have anything, what would you be doing right now, regardless of geography or anything you have going on? And, and a lot of times our answer, when we just let it come and don't edit, it can shock us. I write about that in the book. And also my go-to is Pilates. I, I love being stretched out and lengthened. It's so much harder than it looks, anyone who's done it. I, I love doing the reformer classes and really challenging myself in that way. So you said walk in nature. Now you're in New York, aren't you? And I envision yes. you like in Manhattan or something like that where there's no nature. You must be somewhere different or are you doing Central Park? Where's it happening? Luckily, I, I, I live right across the street from Central Park. So oh, that great. happens. Okay. And then also um, during COVID, my family lives in Ohio. So a lot more nature there. I've spent a lot more time in Ohio. And then just taking myself sometimes we have to get creative with what a quote unquote walk in nature it looks like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just a few trees uh, among the, the concrete, but, um, and, and New York, listen, it's, it's also liberating and energizing to just walk around Manhattan, not to get somewhere or go to work or, or even meet a friend, but just 
walk the streets. It, it really is invigorating. So talk to me about relationships, the family and the friends and the things that you were doing, you know, prior to this, what do you want to call it? What do you, what do you refer to that? Actually, um, I was going to say an episode or wake an event. Up. Wake up calls. The wake up calls. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was the losing the two friends to suicide and then my own, you know, dark moment at the pharmacy where, you know, didn't want to hurt myself, but was just in so much pain. And I think a lot of people can relate to being yeah. in a lot of pain from, yeah. from a traumatizing event. So in that, the things that you were doing to nurture and foster healthy relationships, anything changed from then to now, or were you doing some of the things that have maintained? My relationships have always been really important to me, uh, having strong, relation, healthy relationships with family and friends. And I think something that's changed that I really like to do is schedule in those calls with friends. I know we get sick of Zoom. Not everybody loves the phone, but my friend who's also, we're peer coaches, every Sunday we have our calls and they're one or two hours and it's just really unpacking everything, processing. So you know, we've all been guilty of this. You go weeks or months or even years without connecting with people or hearing from people. And so if someone comes to mind, they're coming to mind for a reason. They're probably thinking about us as well. So taking the one minute and saying, hey, Kevin, thinking of you, how you doing? Think about the last thing you talked about when we spoke. It's like, oh, you know, how was your move or how was a vacation? Hey, how's your new podcast? Um, hey, just how you doing? Um it can be a loaded question, especially <laughs> some, some states of the world yeah, recently. But yeah. I think just, um, again, being more deliberate with our relationships and quality time. I, I, I met with a client this past week and he said something that broke my heart. He's a, a CMO of this Fortune 50 organization, but just said he wasn't nurturing his relationships at all because of work. He was working seven days a week. And he said, now I'm making it a priority to reach out to people. And he said, and so many people are gone because I wasn't nurturing those relationships. So I, I think making it a priority, like anything else, as I love to say to, to clients lovingly, um, you know, is it that you're busy and don't have time or is this not a priority? And, and no one wants to feel, especially a close friend or family member, that they aren't even close to the top of your priority list. Yeah, that one, Kate, speaks to me. That, that is really the only time I connect with friends. Now, I'm surrounded by family most days, you know, at some point. But it really is. It's the only time I am so selfish with my time. I think sometimes I'm paranoid about time slipping by. And so I often don't, you know, I'm going to stay productive and do whatever. And it is the weekly scheduled times with a handful of friends. If it wasn't for that, I would would not have a very broad scope of relationships or, or I would say or actually depth. I'm, I'm one with, you know, a, a finite amount of really deep ones, but that's it. So I'm glad you pulled that out. I hope people hear that because I think we're in a day and age where if we don't schedule it, it doesn't happen. How about mental is the next spoke now? Just your, you know, your mental health. Lately, I've been really focused on just your mental state, which I mean, your book is about. It's the full spirit workout. It's keeping your spirit the place you want. And yeah, in my mind, I, it filters through it, it to my, my mental state. How am I dealing with that? And I, that is the wake up call of your book of saying, here you are going along, achieving the good things. Everything looks good externally. And there are some good things. But you came to a crux, mental state wasn't great, and now here you are. So, I mean, obviously, this is a big foundation of your message. Yeah, so definitely stepped off the hamster wheel. I threw that 
colorful plastic hamster wheel that many of us travel on, I got rid of that and, and chose not to step back on. That doesn't mean I'm busy. That doesn't mean I don't experience moments of exhaustion or overwhelm. But when I get to that place thinking, okay, what can you cut out of your schedule? What meeting do you not need to be in? Even if it's just pockets of 10 to 40 minutes throughout the day to sit and stare out the window and reflect, to close my eyes and, and meditate, to, um, do something besides be in that grind. So that was huge. Um, I no longer take pharmaceuticals. I, I was taking the anti-anxiety medication. I, I believe we're all capable of getting off of that hamster wheel as well. I'm not speaking to people who have diagnosed schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, conditions like that. I'm not a doctor. I don't speak on that. I'm talking about all of the people that are on pills because their doctor just says you need to be on this yeah. and aren't asking questions and think that you need that pill to survive. Um, I was there. I, I, I am here to say that you don't. This is a conversation, of course, with your doctor, but I will say I wrote about it in the book. It's an article that got published years ago. I've never gotten so many comments from people all over the world because I think most of the people on antidepressants um, shouldn't be on them, don't want to be on them. Like me, they feel that like dark cloud that, you know, you feel uh, fuzzy. Um, I, I feel kind of weird saying this, but um, I, I knew someone through work who <laughs> did narcotics, um, did cocaine, and he I've never tried it, but uh, I think it scares me. But he took one of my anti-anxiety pills and he said he felt more messed up from my anti-anxiety pill than he does from cocaine. Again, that's like seeing the, the animal being abused and never eating meat again. Yeah. That stopped me cold in my tracks. And he said, because he knew how anti-drugs I am, yeah. recreational drugs. He said, the fact that you take this medication is horrifying. So again, sometimes it's another wake up call. And I, I just, I never want to tell anyone what to do. I just, I, I like to give invitations, I, food for thought, just thought you'd like to know. I, I feel so much better not being on medication and allowing myself to, to feel what I'm feeling because when, when you numb the pain, you also numb the joy. And I, I don't want to be numb to just the normal human experience and emotion. You, when you mentioned getting off the hamster wheel, I mean, I appreciate that, but I want you to clarify that a little bit because anybody listening to this show is doing so because they are, I call it an aspiring demographic. Otherwise they'd be listening to, you know, NPR crime show uh, and entertaining themselves. So they're listening to this. They want to do more. They want to get more out of themselves. And, and a person like me, when I hear that getting off the hamster wheel, I mean, I get it, you know, the grind, it sounds bad, but I don't really want to do less. I'd really like to do more. So uh, do you, f do you feel like you've made peace with not doing as much? Or do you feel like, no, now you're able to do more in a, in a better allotted amount of time, a kind of a work smarter aspect? That's a great question. And, and a, a few things. Um, the hamster wheel to me is also you're doing things to satisfy this insatiable hunger because you're doing it for what mom thinks and what society says. And you're you're going through the motions to like sweat and pant and achieve these goals that you probably don't even want half of them, but it's what society says you should be doing. It's what's going to impress the people next door or online or wherever. So it's, it's asking yourself, why is this important to me? Why do I have this goal? And the things that aren't important, the things that are satisfying some external thing, but aren't satisfying you, that's getting off the hamster wheel. It, it, it's, it's choosing to do the things that light you up, 
that have meaning for you. Certainly there's days you don't want to go to work, but you go and, and you make the most of it. But um, the hamster wheel is saying no to all the clutter, the invitations you don't want to say yes to. It's um, setting loving, but firm boundaries with people. Thank you so much for thinking of me. I'm not going to be able to make it and not feeling guilty about that. It's being willing to let other people down so that you can thrive mentally and emotionally and actually have the time affluence to do that means like the time to do what you want to do and create those projects it's 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 letting some people and things fall away so that you have the space to do what lights you up what you actually want to do and it's not needing this constant approval and validation from others that's the that's the hamster wheel you get off the hamster wheel you're like they like it great if they don't like it great because i like it and i feel really good doing this and i am creating products that are changing lives for the better you are listening to the ziggler show and this habits episode with kate ekman next i ask her about her financial habits and how she unapologetically admits she's a spender and how she's learning to start investing her money instead of simply spending it all Okay, well, you know, in the concept of God repeating himself, well, folks listening to the show, this is episode 913. You just went over the the, uh, premise of the previous episode, 912, and it was, in essence, the getting rid, not getting rid of, but looking at all the good things. But what are they do? What are they getting in the way of uh, for the great things? In in essence, I haven't asked the question. I think that's the question that I ask. If you had a great opportunity in a lifetime right now, but you had to give up X, Y, Z, what would it be? So people are answering that survey question right now. It'll be interesting uh, to hear that, but thank you for repeating it uh, again in in essence there. Uh, Financial is next, Kate. Anything there that has changed? Well, and I can say just evolved over time, period. For anybody, most people do have, you know, evolution of financial perspectives and habits over time anyways, uh, whether or not you had anything specific change from this wake up call time. Yeah, I am a spender. Um, Again, I'm so I'm just a very candid person. And I'm like, you know, some things I'm sure I've said today here, people want to judge. But again, if you're judging, you're actually judging yourself, you're not even judging me. So I'm like, I I don't have the energy to pretend anymore. As I say to my clients, this is a a no pretend zone. And hopefully, um, people listening a a judgment free zone as well. And just really um, taking it all in. But I, I, in the past, I think I've gotten, you know, some big opportunities or you book a national commercial, for instance, you get a lump sum sum of money and I'm like, oh, let's spend it. And I'm also very generous. It's like, oh, Kevin, we're out to, I'll I'll get your dinner. I'll get my other friend's dinner. And that's fine. But I think just, again, being more mindful and and something I've I've gotten into is investments and that, that amazing realization that, oh my gosh, you can put your money away into accounts and it can grow. And that $10,000 you didn't need or you didn't think about, that's now $100,000 because you didn't touch it. And so I think just knowing that at some point we're all gonna want to retire and, and thinking about ourselves, not just in the present moment and that's same with the eating, but but down the line. And I think being more responsible, but like eating, have some fun, you know, go on the vacation, buy the necklace or, or whatever's gonna make you happy but I think just paying yourself first, meaning putting some of that away for a rainy day or for retirement. And 
it does, it does feel good. Cause there's even moments, I don't know if you've been there, but I get the credit card bill and I think, how'd we get here? Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, maybe just reel it in a little, <laughs> you don't yeah. need all the things. Um, again, that's a moment of, of being, being conscious and, and being honest with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am finance, not a, not a favorite portion of life for me, <sighs> but I, f- I make myself go in, I don't know, every few days or so, I'll log into the online bank account and just look at, look at the business, look at the personal and just kind of peruse what, where was the money gone? It's so often I find something go, what on earth is that? I don't even know what that is. I probably saved myself 10,000 bucks in the past few months just by doing that and questioning some of those things, but also coming to grips with, holy smokes, the amount of money we spend on whatever is dramatic. So yeah, just the awareness. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. And and not to judge or beat ourselves up, but again, just having that honest moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Five is spiritual. And you know, you have the full spirit workout let me read the tagline, a 10 step system to shed your self doubt, strengthen your spiritual core and create a fun and fulfilling life. I started out our previous show together, which again was episode nine 11 of the Ziegler show. And I, I kind of said, let's talk about spirit and spiritual. Cause you can break those out in spirit being more as the mental state spiritual being, well, as it says, you know, spiritual there and, and separating those out. And you do that somewhat in the book, but this one is talking about kind of the spiritual essence, the something greater in your, in your life and your purpose. So how, again, has that evolved? I, I don't even want to think of where I would be without the belief in a higher power. I, I do believe in God. God to me is unconditional love and um, a force greater than me. That's always at play behind the scenes, whether we choose to believe it or not. I choose to believe and, and co-create with this force. I, I've studied spiritual principles that have been around forever um, very extensively because it's given me a sense of peace and calm. It's reminded me of my greatness and my power. It reminds me that our spirits, which to me is, it's not religious. Our spirit is our true essence. It's our authentic truth and power. It's our passion. It's our presence. And the good news about connecting with that is that it can never be rejected or criticized or overlooked by, you know, what we'd look like or how, what people think of us, things like that. So I think connecting with, with this power and connecting with, with our true essence is, is so important. And, and when you listen to that divine wisdom that gives you guidance and you're living your life from that place, rather than the ain't it awful, I'm not good enough, imposter syndrome, all this stuff that people are battling with, life just starts working a lot better. And, and you become the person who attracts your cherished goals rather than striving, forcing, controlling to make anything happen. And, and so oh, I could, spirituality is, um, one of my favorite things to talk about. Not everybody fully understands it or even wants to talk about it or thinks that you're just talking about religion. I'm not talking about dogma or doctrine here. I, I'm really talking about really the essence of, of who we are and um, how beautiful our, our spirit is and, and, and cultivating the characteristics that come from that to, to really enhance our lives, not just our lives, but all the people around us as well. When you look at, again, what we'll refer to as a wake-up call, did it bring you from a spiritual standpoint to more of an acuteness, more of a gravity in essence? 
Yeah. You know, I was, I was studying spirituality and I was, I was into it. I was, I was just really stepping into it, um, in a meaningful way, uh, before I lost my two loved ones to suicide. And so then, and, and of course, then what are you doing? You're, you're questioning, you're angry, you don't understand. And, but the message I was getting is it's even more important to, to dive into that. It's almost like, you know, an athlete saying, well, man, I, I didn't even make the finals. I'm just going to give up. But I think, wow, I didn't make the finals, but this is really important to me. So I'm going to train even harder. I'm going to train even smarter. I'm going to, and then, you know, I'm going to give it my all. And then if I don't win or make the finals next time, I'm okay with it because I knew I, I, I gave it my all. And I think the same is with, with the spirituality and, and diving into these practices. It's just, what do you have to lose? That's what I say to people. Like literally what do you have to lose by investing or believing in a force greater than you and, and inviting that, that wisdom and that divinity into your life. Well, it's in essence, uh, Pascal's wager that you're speaking to, to some degree there. Well, thank you. Uh, the sixth spoke here, Kate is career. And now, you know, and looking at the book, it, for you, again, to this wake-up call was a pretty significant change in trajectory of your vocation, yes? A hundred percent. Gosh, of everything you've talked about, that I think that has been the most dramatic evolution, really, is over the past several years is my career and going from, you know, this forward-facing career, on-camera personality and persona to someone who gave up and, and a lot of people work their whole careers for, for that notoriety or, or the money that comes with it. And to essentially give all that up. Um, I still do some TV here and there, but, um, to go back to school and spend so much time, energy, money, getting master's degrees and certifications and diving into this, writing research papers while people are, you know, at their jobs, making a lot of money and, and to spend, so much effort, it's pay money to work. That's why I said I was at Columbia. I'm like, I am paying so much money to work so hard at 40 years old. It's insane. But again, it's what kind of life do you have? And I, I knew I had a bigger purpose and mission. So it was worth it to me. And it, it feels so good to be working full-time as a, a coach and, and consultant and an author and speaker and start sharing these ideas with people, um, not because it's easy or glamorous, but because it, it, it feels purposeful. I, I feel, it gives me a lot of meaning and joy. Well, I won't ask you to name your age or your ages along that line, but you can if you want to, because I, but I do want to back up because so you had had success. So you invested many years, much effort. You, you are a competitive swimmer. Then you get to the point and you are a paid model. I mean, for some people that would be, that's huge. You know, that's, that's the, you, you, you made it the American dream and you go from there. And then you're over here as a TV anchor and a broadcaster, again, another area. So you've done the work to get to this space and then you get to this point and you decide to, yeah, go back and get further education to do something different. You know how hard that is for people to look at whatever age they think. And I hear some people go, oh my gosh, you know, I've gone through school and now I'm 25. I'm not going to go back and, you know, try to relearn. I got to take the momentum and the success I have to this point and continue going from that point on. And then we have people who are, you know, 65 feeling the same way. And I've been fortunate to see people in their 50s and 60s do what you did and go back. But it's still very rare. I mean, again, you had built up momentum, you had invested so much, and you're saying, no, I'm going to go a different direction. That's daunting. 
best thing I, I ever did. And I think it's a hundred times more daunting to stay in a career that is draining you, that isn't lifting you up, that you're in for all the wrong reasons in terms of, well, it pays good money, which I love money as much as the next person can't be the only reason. Um, people aren't, that's how it was being an on-camera person. So many people are impressed by that. You're getting so much great validation and feedback doesn't matter. I, I think checking in again and, and really taking stock of how you really feel and also the impact that you're making. I think it's important that we are contributing to society in a positive way. And it isn't just about our bottom line or what we look like that, you know, we are contributing to a cause or organization greater than ourselves and, and not because it's cool, but because it, <laughs> That is what's going to bring you fulfillment. Yes. Um, and, and I think being really honest with ourselves, and, and this reminds me, I had dinner with a, a colleague the other night. He's a former CEO. He has homes all over the world, money that he'll never be able to spend all of it. And I said, what are you working on now? Um, he said, I'm getting a master's degree. I said, in what? He said, psychology. I said, from where? He said, Harvard. And I'm thinking, this guy's pushing 60, doesn't ever need to work again, certainly doesn't need to go get a master's degree at Harvard. Um, and he's saying it's so hard and English is not his native language. He's Brazilian and speaks Portuguese. And I just admired him so much. And I, I sat across from him and I just thought, this is why we're friends. We're just lifelong learners. He really, he saw as a CEO, um, all the things that needed to be fixed in organizations like his. And so he's studying psychology so that he can come in and help organizations around mindset and around um, positive psychology and, and focusing on strength. So I just encourage everyone, maybe you don't need to go to Harvard or, or get a master's degree, but at least um, allow yourself to explore some other options um, that seem absurd or seem unrealistic and, and just go for it. I mean, even I was a, a, an entertainment reporter in LA. I was interviewing the biggest names in Hollywood and, and left that very cushy job to go get my master's degree at Northwestern and, and broadcast journalism. And I was covering the courts and all these gnarly things that were the opposite of glamour, so much more fulfilling because I was working on, on stories to help bring about positive social change for underprivileged use, for example. You know what? I am going to take advantage of having you here as a coach working with people in their careers and their vocations and whatnot, too, because we speak to this often, but I'm going to let you hit it again, because as much as we talk about you being, you know, in this place and saying, hey, I'm going to go a different direction. Talk a little bit to the reality of the skills, abilities, the things that you did in every segment that were transferable, that we're not starting from square one. Amen. I love this. As I like to say, nothing is wasted. And even a man, the CEO pointed out to me a few days ago, he said, you know, you remind me of this model and actress I liked from years ago, he said, you have those mannerisms. And I even thought, even the confidence it takes to, to stand up straight and, and be a model and have everybody judging you, but but you you build, you do build confidence and, and you walk into a room and kind of command presence because that's what you're used to doing on set. And so yeah. to walk into a room full of skeptical CEOs and be like, here I am, your coach, so much of it, like body language, confidence, I, I think everything that we do along the way serves a purpose. And like you said, you can build on it and build on it and build on it. And, and I, I had a friend because I don't I don't tell many people that I used to work as a model in the business world. I don't want to be judged. I don't want them to think that you can't 
you know, be paid for how you look and also be highly intelligent. I mean, there's so many, especially women get put in boxes all the time. I, I, I hate it, but I've had a lot of friends, a coach, um, really helped me embrace that and think, wow, you made it as an international model in like the toughest city in the world, New York. Um, you should celebrate that. And, and that gives you business skills because you know how to work with people. So hmm. whatever your thing is, um, I would just embrace it a bit more and, and make a list and, and write down your strengths and, and write down your unique gifts that make you excel in this job. Because something I do ask my clients when they are feeling stuck is I say, what made you successful in the past? Whether you were the janitor, whether you were the football backup quarterback and never got much playing time, whether you were a stay-at-home mom and now you're going back to the office. I mean, what made you successful at a stay-at-home mom? You talk about a skill set. Yeah. I would be leveraging that patience all the way to the bank in my yeah. new role. I mean, time management, organization, skill set, skill set, and things that we just dismiss because we don't think it's good enough. Okay, I'm, I'm, you've got me. So here I am. I've never thought about it in this way, uh, Kate. I'm going to add this to my, I don't know, to my, to my behind the scenes biography or, or not biography, uh, but, well, yeah, bio or, or even, even written down there. So I talk about, it comes up a lot. It's in the book deal and whatever, you know, I was a past pro athlete or I was a pro cyclist and we can talk about that. But what you just had me thinking about is I've come to the starting line I'm sitting here doing the math probably over a thousand times. Have I come to a starting line of a race? I, mean, I started when I was 10 years old and went till I was 32, I think. And a thousand times of the nerves, the preparation, whatever. But I came to the line, I showed up and I made it to, well, I did, not every time, most times I made it to the finish line. That's interesting to think of that. What a, what a transferable skill that relates to now, that no matter what's going on, no matter what's happened to the day, I'm able to stand up here, get somebody across from me and engage in a the starting line of a conversation. I've never thought about the transferable skill. It makes me think about going through life. And you know, you talk about a parent. I've got a lot of kids. I've been parenting for a lot of years. Never thought about how many times have I done X. I've showed up, I've, whether it's changed a diaper or made a meal or had patience with a kid and to think about how cool would it be for us all to audit our lives and just to do the math and go, how many times have we done X? That's got to add up to something. A hundred percent or, or think about for me, who's changed or you changed careers so many times yeah. an athlete, the stress, the pressure, the expectation, yeah. the, you know, both of our cases, take your mark, go. Yeah. And you don't, you can't be like, Oh, wait a second. I wasn't quite ready. Or, you know, nobody cares about any of that stuff. You got to show up and be ready to go. So how are you preparing for that? Mm -hmm. Whatever it is. And I just, I, this is, I love that we're talking about this. I feel so lit up because, um, again, it, it goes to my point in the spiritual question about, you know, everyone is so enrolled and like, ain't it awful, or I'm not good enough, but you're so great. I mean, look at everything that you have done to get to this place in your life. If you are a parent, you are my personal superhero. I would argue you, you could do anything quite frankly. So I'm like, I'm, you're definitely not going to get me enrolling in how you aren't great. Um, I, I just think that we, we are so gifted in so many ways. We have so many strengths that we can leverage, but first we need to identify those strengths. You've got me thinking about that in a different way. Um, you know, it's interesting you talking about that. I was thinking about, uh, you know, just the, the starting lines. Do you still, do you ever have any competing anxiety dreams? I, I still, to this day, 
Do, yes, I, I see that as yes. I still to this day, I, I think last week, I mean, they're not as common, but I'll have one where the, the race is starting, the bike race, and I'm not ready. I'm not to the line. I don't know where it is. I don't have my shoes, whatever. I used to have the same ones on waiting tables because I did that a lot in my youth. Uh, I, I haven't had one of those in a long time, but I'm at a restaurant. They're seating me, uh, you know, five, six, seven, eight tables. I've never been there. I have no idea what kind of food we have. And I'm just going to show up there and do something or I'm going to walk out. But these are the dreams that I have from those events. Absolutely. So, like, luckily, they are infrequent now. But yeah, yes, yeah. many years after my swimming career ended all the time. And they, oh, I was like swimming through quicksand. I mean, Horf, all the all the stress and anxiety, and it needs to leave our body. So then, I would say to someone, if you're if you're experiencing this, to to talk it out, to get it out of your body, or even something came up in a dream last night, and I'm like, oh, it's like kind of an old pattern from relationships, but. I'm like, okay, is that still true? Do you still believe that? Or how can we clean that up? Or, you know, when you, you get into a situation like this, I feel it coming soon. Um, how are you going to handle it? And so even calling myself out and, yeah. and saying hello to the anxiety, like, okay. Or it's like, what are you anxious about? Or what's up? I think we need to have more conversations like this with ourselves. But what do we do? We put on all the distractions. Mm -hmm. We get on our phones. We just call somebody and deny it or you know so like let's yeah. go there let's let's start checking in with ourselves in a meaningful way well thanks and i need to hear that because i'm just prone to go produce go do something to inspire myself and i don't take the thought or the feeling captive and deal with it i just got called out on that last week as a matter of fact so thank you again <laughs> for the repetition i appreciate it hey kate the last one here is the personal spoke and i've this is always of interest to me with uh, you know, whatever you want to high achievers with people, you know, had, had significant success, but say, what are the things that you do just for you, whether it's called play or fun or hobby? And I'm going to put it under, uh, self-care in essence. That's how I've had to do it. As I found myself realizing I don't play, I don't really have fun. I produce, you know, and so coming back to that. So what, what are the things that you do? I want to know one, but ha again, have they, changed from your wake-up call? Yeah, um, I've spent even, and I love this question, spent even more time. My favorite thing to do is is travel, um, mainly because you learn so much about yourself. And, and I will add, I, I'm inviting in actually some, some travel companions, but people with kids, spouses, they're kind of out. People don't want to spend the money or are, are just, our schedules don't align. So I, I travel the world alone. Um, there's even hashtags on Instagram about solo travel and things like that. It is so, uh, again, liberating, invigorating, enlivening. Um, you learn so much about yourself. You build your confidence. You meet people from all over the world. And you just get to explore things different from yourself or your environment. And so it forces you to become a different person in that habit and, and really expand and grow. Mm -hmm. So I have so much fun doing that. Europe is my favorite place to go. So I have three trips to Europe planned for the rest of this year because, you know, we didn't get out much for a while. And I just I love Europe. And um you know, again, I, you're right. I mean, walks, that's more exercise walks. I do have for fun. I think taking my niece and nephew on play dates, you know, the bowling and the movies and the video games and, um, playing outside, playing games, um, sports, they're both swimmers as well. Anything athletic. Um, but I also, what just came to mind, cause I, and it's almost, it feels like this 
luxury experience, but we all need to be getting massage or getting facials and not just not just the relaxation, but also, I mean, my feet were so beat up, woman wearing heels now again and stuff. And so my feet are, you know, but even just taking the time to have that physical touch and, and the, the healing treatments. And I think fun too. I just, I don't take myself so seriously. So I think when I don't have the opportunity or time to travel, go to the spa or whatever, see the kids, it's, it's being more playful in my conversations and just mm-hmm. being silly. Um, I'm very, I'm grown, you know, <laughs> I'm not a kid, but I think I'm always the biggest kid in the room just energetically because everyone is so stressed out. I don't know if you, I mean, it's like, and I get it. And I, I certainly have been stressed out, but I think the more we can just be silly and playful, crack a joke, um, you know, let other people lighten up too. that that's fun. That, that, that gets, keeps me going because we're, after all, we are people, there's some business interactions, everything's so stuffy and like, I'm hello, I'm here. I'm the consultant. You're like, you know, it's just, sorry. I feel like I'm being very wordy right now. Cause I get, I get excited talking about these things. Well, this is the, I'll I'll tell you, Kate, it's the, it's i I'm going to take this as the third repetition uh, from you of something that I'm working on because that you saying, don't taking, don't take yourself so seriously. And even, and I think a one that I'm, I am working on holding in, uh, in balance or intention, however you want to look at it, is not taking even life so seriously, even as I, I feel like it is serious. Like we, in one sense, we need to take it serious, more seriously. People aren't. We're letting it bypass us and we're spectators to it. And so I'm in this camp generally of intensity and of taking it seriously and over here feeling called I think by my creator to also let go, hold it. Don't hold on so tightly. And even the thought of be, be lighthearted, Kevin, be lighthearted. That is not, that's not uh, as, as an old counselor would say, I don't have a file for that really. And you saying not to take it so seriously, even as we are talking about a serious topic and serious topics here, again, it speaks to me. And I look at that as, as my good friend, Randy talks about, it's the bother. It is both that they both exist, but I've just been living in one camp and it, it wears me out. It's exhausting. Yeah. And as I would say to you or anyone, it's when we take our lives seriously, which you do, you really care. You have all these impacts, impactful um, jobs and shows and things that you do. You're a great family man. When we take our lives seriously, we don't have to take ourselves so seriously. Mm. So I think that's the space that you're in and you can have, it's safe to be goofy and, and have some fun and crack a joke. And again, it just, it, it changes the channel. It's like being in the horror film and you're like, I'm going to have a nightmare tonight and turning it off and putting the cartoon on. Sometimes I think we need to turn off the horror film that's ruminating in our minds and, and, and put, or maybe it's just like the, I don't know, like the, the action flick that's, it's, it's like, oh, this is exhausting. And just putting on the fluffy cartoon. And I'm like, this is nonsense. This is so ridiculous, but it feels good. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay. I, I'm smiling, Kate. Cause last night you asked me before we came on here, you know, we were talking about how was your weekend? And I said a sweet weekend. I hung out with my youngest daughter. I don't get a lot of alone time with any one specific kid. And so last night we're, I think we were going to do dinner together or something like that. And she, maybe she asked to watch something. I can't remember, but somehow I pulled something up and it was easy. E.T. 
I thought, man, this is a, as a kid that came out back when, speaking of racing bikes, I was racing BMX and in the, in the movie, that was a big thing to us as kids. They had BMX bikes. We knew the brand, you know, we looked that up and it was, they have this little scene where they're racing bikes. It was just sweet. And I just turned it on. I thought, man, there's, there's no, this is not going to change my life. This isn't Braveheart, you know, (laughs) and, uh, I'm going to sit here and just watch a sweet little movie. And I did, um, I had to work myself through it a little bit. Uh, but it was the, the fluffy cartoon, as you said, but it was sweet. And yes, life can be serious. Do I have to be so serious? It is just a joy. Thank you for not taking it all so serious. Even as we talk about topics that are incredibly, uh, serious, it is just a joy. Thanks for the behind the scenes. Look, Kate, and just sharing your heart. Thank you so much. You're an absolute joy and delight. And I could talk to you all day. Thank you for all the work that you're doing in the world. Thank you, Kate. Just a great, insightful conversation with Kate that I hope inspired you with the opportunity for your own habits, your own evolutions. Again, you can find Kate at Kate, K-A-T-E, Ekman, E-C-K-M-A-N dot TV. Coming up in Ziegler Show episode 914, Tom Ziegler and I discuss the reality of selling a product or service and how much is just actually selling ourselves. Some products and services require more or less, but unless you're selling just a pure commodity on a massive scale, we just can't underestimate how much of the sale is about us alone. Till then, folks, thanks as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.